Welcome to the Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. I'm your host, George Roberts. Welcome back, entrepreneurs. Today we have Vinky Lumba, commercial real estate syndicator and founder of Lumba Investment Group. Welcome, Vinky. Thank you so much, George. Thanks for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. So, Vinky, I understand that before you started your career as a commercial real estate syndicator, that you had a very fascinating career in IT. So why don't you walk us briefly through that? Yeah, sure. I love that. I was an IT professional for 20 plus years. Actually, when I came to this country, my dream was to become a professor because uh, I had my master's degree. I was doing my second master's. It's called MPhil. I'm from originally from India. And uh, I completed my MPhil from here. My thesis I submitted because I got married uh, during that time when I was doing my MPhil. And MPhil, by the way, is a short form of PhD. Because once you have MPhil, you just need only a couple years more coursework to get your PhD. So when I came here, I wanted to become a professor. I went to UC Berkeley, got registered with one of the top-notch professors there to work under him to get my PhD. But I think Destiny had something else for me. So uh, something else was aligned with me. And then we started our family. My husband said, you wanted to uh, taste the copper world maybe. So I joined Bank of America as a management trainee and I started enjoying the corporate world. I started climbing the corporate ladder, really enjoyed that, had fun. And uh, fast forward, uh, I got my MBA from here. When I got my MBA, I got an opportunity to, to teach at California State University, which was like my dream come true because I always wanted to be a professor. So I became an adjunct professor. But beside all that, um, when we part of our second house, uh, we put our first house on rent and we learned about the passive income stream. So that was like a kind of a light bulb went on. Oh my God, we can make money this way. So I stepped into real estate with my W-2. I got my realtor license and I became a retail broker and I was selling the retail and that's how we uh, got into the retail businesses as well. So that's how our journey started in real estate. But now fast forward even, um, I quit my job or I got a chance to take off on my job about four or five years ago. And then uh, that gave me more time on my hand. So I thought I wanted to go back into real estate. I landed back into real estate. My focus was merger and acquisitions because having the corporate background, it makes total sense, right? You understand the system side of merger and learning the business side of merger was my initial intention. But then I just saw this wonderful world of multifamily. I was introduced to it and I really liked that. And here I am, you know, I started investing as an LP and now co-GPing on multiple deals as well. That's great. I love that. It's a great way to learn. Um, I also love passive investing in well. I think it's a, it's a great way to invest and a great way to learn. And so then before you knew it, uh, you were a GP. So take, take us back into the timeline. How far back was that? Uh, very recently, it was just last year. Um, and I started in the real estate for more than an year and a half, but I was started exploring about it just like a couple of years back. 
Because uh, when I left my W2, basically I was thinking that I am done. I think I'm gonna re- enjoy the retirement. I don't want it to do anything else. I asked my husband, do you want me to work? He says, no, we are okay. And uh, I thought, this is it. I'm just gonna travel. So we started traveling the world. We travel multiple countries, but what happened when we were back home a couple of years back and now one day, early morning, about 3.30, I woke up and I had this epiphany, you can say, or really, really strong feeling that I have to do something with my life because otherwise all the experiences, education, knowledge, whatever you can say, I have gained over the years, that's all going to go waste. If I don't need anything, it's okay. I can give it to the people who need it. Maybe I need to work for them who are below the survival mode. So I created a purpose for myself to help the women and children. So uh, we help women and children at very, very small scale right now uh, in India, basically work with other NGOs. But my uh, vision is someday that I create a portal for myself that is self-sustainable. And even if I'm not here, it's running and people are getting benefited from it. It's wonderful that you're taking the opportunity to, to give back. So we'll tell us a little bit about that, uh, that charity work. So this is something you're directing yourself uh, or is it something you're working through some other uh, group? No, um, we are doing it ourselves right now. Mm-hmm. We are not doing any fundraising. We're using our own funds and we're trying yeah. to support multiple charities in India and uh, which are focused uh, towards women and children and because I wanted to help them just get a little bit above the survival mode so they don't have to worry about the next meal on their table. At least we can provide them that much freedom from their day-to-day mundane, uh, I would say, the thought process or the mundane tasks like the, or the worries that they have day-to-day. So we're working with the local organizations and they pick up different projects and we support their projects. But my vision is someday that I wanted to create something more sustainable where people are not just, you know, um, ben- getting benefit, just the money that we're sending. It's gonna more than that, like they're more like employed into something and they're working and they are working towards their future and they are generating income. And that's not, uh, it's just like generating on themselves. They're making more opportunities for other people around them. So that's my vision is because this is gonna be more like self-sustainable because right now when you send the funds, when the project is over, money dies right there, there is no return. So when we have something more like workable solution, so there might be some residuals that can come back And that could be invested in real estate. I'm thinking high level here. I'm not sure if it's a workable solution. That's what I'm working with the attorneys to figure out a way. So if it's invested in real estate, there could be, again, perpetual returns that could support that organization that's going to go back. So it's just like, you know, kind of a circular fashion things are happening. So everything is on a a self-sustainable mode. So even though when we are not here, our kids don't have to worry because the nonprofit is running and it's supporting itself and just like more people are joining in. That's wonderful. So then to get back to the multifamily side of things, give us some idea of uh, how many units you're invested in or uh, assets under management as an active investor. So um, about, I have about 800. 
approximately about 800. So I'm part of a bunch of deals uh, and uh, as a LP and as a co-GP. And I'm really enjoying the process uh, as well, you know, and I, I think when you enjoy the process, it's more beneficial because it gives you like, like inner happiness that you're doing something or trying to make some difference in your life as well as others around you. I, I think that's amazing. I think a lot of people beat themselves up. Something I was just discussing in the prior episode with Dr. Hank Seitz, that when you're in that green light path, it feels good, right? It's, yes. it's not about beating yourself up. Uh, yeah, when, you, when you're in the zone, uh, everything feels good. Well, how about this? Do you want to take a particular deal? It could be your first deal or maybe the most interesting deal. Walk us through the acquisition. I always love to hear the story of acquisition. There's all these, uh, it's, a, it's always a long and winding road. It's, it's never a linear path. Yeah, I mean, I can talk about one of the deals that I co-GP in. And then I came in as a capital raiser because uh, I knew the people who, were have, uh, who had the deal and then I networked with them a lot and they really, really liked the team. And we looked at the couple deals together before too that didn't work out. So this was some sweet deal they're working in. So I was kind of late in the game, but I joined hands. And then uh, after the acquisition, I got to be part of the asset management team because I can attend all the meetings and learn about the asset management. And also I was able to do the investor relations part of it. So which was really sweet because you're kind of learning the whole process. So what I learned is it's not about um, just uh, the acquisition. It's much more than that because the real play starts after the acquisition, you know, because uh, in the beginning, mostly people think, oh, finding a deal is a big hassle. You know, yes, you do need to um, connect with the brokers, have strong relationships so you can get good deal, you know, off market deal, the deal that makes sense. But then there's so many different levels as well. Uh, till the deal get to you, depending upon your past track record or where you are in this journey, you know, in this trajectory so that the deal comes to you according to your track record. So once you have the deal after that, you know, mostly people are worried about, okay, I'm just going to get the team together, who's going to be doing what, and also doing the capital raise, the loan, the taxes, you know, getting the whole package together. And once the deal is closed, okay, I acquired the property, deal is closed we are done, but no, the real work starts then because you put a business plan together for this deal, right? Because you're gonna do the value add. You wanted to take this deal from this particular platform to your platform, whatever you have envisioned or whatever the business plan says. So that brings a lot of more hurdles, you know, the people you're working with, for example, the property managers, or the uh, you know, different people who are involved into the day-to-day -day activities. So that's just like keeping a close, close, um, I would say it's a close monitoring, how things are going. If things are going as planned, uh, it's well and good. And that's what happened on our current property that I'm talking about. We are way ahead of schedule and everything worked out really great because uh, the person that we're working with was boots on the ground and he's really, really diligent about everything, making sure that everything is uh, working and everything is on the timeline. And uh, it worked out really great. And we just got our first distributions done. And it's super exciting that we are almost done with our business plan. 
all the renovations almost. And it's like only six months in. So it looks like it's a super sweet deal and it's a, a happy moment for us as well as for our investors, because it seems like it's gonna be a very, very bright future for this particular deal. That's awesome to help flesh it out a little bit. Uh, what area are we talking about? What class? This is mostly, uh, we, I like to buy deals like, uh, you know, C or B in A or B area. So this is, uh, this particular property is a C class and it's, I think C plus B area. Exciting. Uh, and I'm sure the market, I'm sorry, which, uh, which area are you in? I am, <laughs> that's a good question. I'm kind of open to um, all the markets, but right now I'm in Texas, I'm in Carolinas and I'm in Georgia. And I do have a uh, one investment, I think in, uh, I think in Washington. Okay, that's an exotic destination. Most yeah. people are focused on the Sun Belt. Uh, is there an interesting story behind that Washington acquisition? No, actually, one of my friends, he was doing that. That's, I would say, one of the first um, investments for us. And I really, really like that friend. And he's been doing so well for the last so many years. So um, he was he's a ground up. And when he was working on it, it's a senior living. So I wanted to invest with him. So I'm super happy about that, that I got to do that. Oh, yeah. Senior living is just amazing. Uh, of all the classes of commercial real estate, that's the only one that appeared to be hardly impacted by COVID. Even better. Uh, well, at least from the, the stats, I was looking at some stats for uh, foreclosures. If you look at uh, 30, 60, 90, and then foreclosures, uh, you can see that every class of commercial real estate looks like a mountain compared to uh, senior living. So I, I gather you have a different impression. So things were not so, didn't look so smooth from the inside. Maybe. No, I mean, no, I, I won't, I won't contest that. And you might be really right, but I'm thinking that about all the, if you're an operator, you know, on the senior living. So that's a kind of a different path on that. That could wow. be really hard working with, uh, you know, that generation, uh, older generation and taking care of uh, making sure that everything is in line for them. So I'm thinking from that perspective. So it's not gonna be, it's not that easy road, I would say, you know. And uh, um, I think there's so many different ways senior living um, can be structured, but <laughs> it's kind of funny the way I learned about it because um, our one of our relatives, they recently moved into a senior living and they have to pay so much money upfront to go into that particular community. I think they paid million dollars just to be part of that community and then they're paying them monthly. So I was like, wow, this is um, kind of highly enlightening to know that it could be structured many different ways. Yeah, that's interesting. I know a lot of people are very interested specifically in that high-end senior living. I believe Robert uh, Kiyosaki, he's got some great podcasts about how he goes into, how he wants to help build that up and he's, He's planning to take the penthouse at uh, one of his senior living projects when the time comes. Yeah, I know, because it's an interesting asset class. And plus, you know, the way I hear is like there's 10,000 people turning senior every every day. 
Mm -hmm. So a lot of generation over here is getting older and I think we will need the senior living facilities more than we need in today's day. And that's the reason I think there is a whole, uh, you can say a growth aspect involved in that as a class. Exactly, that old uh, silver tsunami. I'm okay. sure you'll have an opportunity to discuss that more with, uh, you said you were gonna go and talk to Vinnie Chopra today. So mm -hmm. congratulations on that. And that's a great asset class to be in and a great time to be in it. Uh, I'm definitely very excited about senior living. Yeah, me uh, too. Yeah, <laughs> if I get my hands on it, definitely I wanted to uh, look into that as a class, you know, yeah. very closely. Yeah, I'm also hoping I can learn something ahead of time, uh, try and figure out where I want to go. That's also a very frightening thing as people get older to try and find the right place. Uh, I, I don't like what I've seen of senior living in my life. So it's certainly something that could be done better. A lot of room for good operators to improve the lives of many, many people. That's true. I think the, the rule of the thumb is that I heard from one of my friends. He said that if you build something uh, where you can live yourself or we, where you can put your parents in, that's gonna be the more beneficial way of doing things in this asset class. Because it's not about money making because you're making a difference. You're touching so many lives. So you have to be passionate about it, you know, that you're building something and then you're gonna be leaving some kind of legacy too afterwards, you know, because people are gonna remember if it's something good and you're helping people and people get to do the stuff that they want and they are getting the maximum out of it. That's what it matters because some, like you mentioned, some of the facilities are not good. Uh, I haven't encountered any because I uh, haven't dealt with senior living yet because, but there are so many at the smaller scale and I know people do so many different things. Right. Well, diversification, I think, is also an amazing theme. And as I understand, you're, you're sorry, diversified, not only just geographically, but also in uh, other asset classes as well. So I understand you're also looking into self-storage. Yes, I do. I really love self-storage and that's picking up as well. And I do see there's an upward trend. So I just want a piece of it because uh, I see a lot of my friends and a lot of my um, colleagues in the real estate arena, they're investing big time. And those are the kind of indications. This, this is something that a lot of people are looking into and might be a lucrative asset class. So definitely, definitely like to get a you know, piece of it. Awesome, very, very exciting. So then uh, what would you say is your next big step as an entrepreneur? What are you planning other than this, uh, this deal in self-storage? Yeah, self-storage deal, I'm looking at it right now and then see if I can get into it. And then uh, other than that, I'm just looking to get into more multifamily. Uh, we are looking into the value-add units all over again. And uh, we just looked at one in Georgia, didn't work out and trying to look for a couple more in, in Carolina areas and see if those make sense. Mm -hmm. And I uh, definitely wanted to expand there. But my bigger vision is for me and my company is somehow I wanted to get ourselves to a position, uh, I would say more stable position that I am able to work with other, when I say other, um, operators as well here, plus 
other NGOs throughout the world and make a difference. That's, That's what amazing. my bigger goal is. I love it. And it just, it does help to have that big why to think, I mean, a lot of us, you get to that age where maybe you have enough and you really do have to find a new reason to keep working. Uh, exactly. Either you want to leave a legacy to your children or you want to uh, impact the wider world. Yeah. Well, now, now, when you talk about your influences and what got you into entrepreneurship, it was really just that first uh, single unit. You became uh, an entrepreneur and a landlord, and you realized uh, that the cash flow is just amazing. Apart from that, were there any other uh, influences that led you into entrepreneurship or that have helped to nurture you along the way? I think entrepreneur, we should, everybody have it inside of us, you know, it, it just like uh, tapping into that or just like focusing uh, towards that. So you might have heard the terminology like uh, where the focus goes, energy flows. So yeah. that's the kind of thing happened for me because when I left my W2, I had no intention to go back because the first couple of weeks when I um, said goodbye to my W2, it was really, really kind of hard for me, kind of devastating, kind of sad moment because I was thinking what I'm going to do with my life now. My work was my life and then I don't have a job now. So what I'm going to be doing. And then I was, you know, kind of in a state that I thought I can get the job tomorrow. And I started applying. And within two weeks, I sent out maybe 500 resumes. Because I was thinking, you know, like I was in a, such a good position. I'm so knowledgeable. The job is going to come on a silver platter for me. Guess what? I didn't even hear back. <laughs> Not even wow. from one company for two weeks. Wow. And uh, there comes the third week now. And then uh, by the time it started sinking in and I felt, started feeling good, I started feeling free that I don't have to get up early morning and have to go to work by nine or 8.30. So I was like, okay, I got the freedom. So I started liking that. But by the time I heard from two companies and I went for the first interview, it was a panel interview, seven people panel, trying to interview me. And uh, when I walked out from there, and I'm not sure what happened, I came and I sat in my car and I was crying. I was just bawling. And I'm like, what's happening to me? Am I sad? I'm happy. What's going on with me? So after half an hour or so, I realized that, that I didn't want to do this because you know my mind, body, my soul, whatever is telling me, why are you doing this? You got the, you did this for 21, 22 years. Now you got out of this thing. Why you wanted to go back again? So at that moment, I just made a decision. This is it. I don't want to do my, you know, corporate job anymore. I don't want any W-2. So I came home a couple of days later, I got the job offer, but I didn't accept it. It was a huge package. It was like, okay, no. That's the time I asked my husband, do you want me to work? And he said, he does not care. I'm like, okay, if you don't care, I have no intention to work. So at that time, I decided I don't want to go back to the corporate world. But then fast forward, I had this epiphany that I wanted to work, but I didn't want to go work for somebody else. I wanted to create something for ourselves, my own. I wanted to work for myself because I worked all my life for other people. So I thought this is my time now and I'm free, no strings attached. I don't have to worry about anything. I can basically do whatever I wanted to do. I can create whatever I wanted to create for myself. So that's how I went into entrepreneurship, started this company. 
And uh, I see a bright future for myself or for my company that uh, I will be at a point where we're making tons of difference in this world. That's beautiful. And that's what this podcast is all about, the Foundry, all about people going out on their own and literally forging a completely new existence. Uh, I love your story. Very inspiring. What you've accomplished in the last year and a half uh, is amazing. And I hope that our audience finds that informative and inspiring as well. Thank you very much, Vinky. Sure. You're very welcome. And thanks for having me.